today on Ag News Daily. We work, for example, with some food companies to harmonize their sustainable sourcing. Through Leading Harvest, we work across a hundred different crop types on about a million and a half acres. We're really at the nexus of the production and highlighting what's happening at that production level. Good morning, listeners. Cassidy Zirkle here, joined by Tanner Winterhoff on our week takeover while Delaney's off getting hitched. Tanner, how are you this morning? Great, but I just wondered if, you know, we start every show with today on Ag News Daily. What if we started saying yesterday on Ag News Daily? Would that mean that we're old news? Mm, didn't you do that once? And I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> oh, just my poor, poor attempts at trying to throw some humor in there. Well, I'm going to start off with an article that might have a lot of pressure on our listener base, but wanted to throw it in there a little bit on a worldwide drought condition update. So extreme drought is hitting Italy and it is potentially going to destroy their rice crops, especially the rice hybrid that contributes to their beloved risotto. So they're walking across fields of rice paddies that should be flooded with water and they are yellow and ankle high with no water to be found. So these crops are severely damaged, says the writer of this article for a rice farmer in the area that has farmed for more than 30 years, says he can't remember a time where they have been this dry. Northern Italy is suffering from spiked temperatures, as we've been discussing, and the worst drought in over 70 years along the Po River, which is Italy's longest river, has also turned the edges of that bank into sandy beaches and its famed lakes are continuing to shrink and recede but most concern that the italian government has is the rice variety that contributes to their creamy risotto is the one that is taking the most significant hit so a little trip over to italy to let you know that we aren't the only ones that are experiencing dry conditions Yes, Tanner, even though that may not have a huge effect on our listeners, I think most of our listeners can at least sympathize with Italy during this drought that we're having as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, another bit of news from overseas comes from Australia. It looks like they have been struggling with a bit of foot and mouth disease and African swine fever viral fragments being found in products coming from China and Indonesia. This has led to multiple pieces of meat being taken off the shelves in grocery stores and all of Australia being on high alert, testing throughout the country and at the borders for these viral fragments. That's not good. At least they had tracked down the source of where these might have shown up from. So another story for us to keep a monitor on. And I'm going to hit possibly a little bit of a boring segment here for some, Cassidy, as I go through a couple of headlines in a row here, all related to the Fed meeting that started today. So U.S. stock futures are down uh, ahead of the big earnings reports. So if anybody else is paying attention, we are here on Tuesday looking at a mixed close coming out of Monday, but investors opened up down as they're awaiting earnings results from Coca-Cola, Alphabet Company, which would be Google, McDonald's Corporation, Microsoft Corporation, General Motors, and the General Electric Company, GE, as the Fed started their two-day committee meeting. So these numbers are coming out. I did, as I walked past the TV coming into uh, this recording session, see that 
General Motors did release earnings down below where they had been. Uh, futures for the Dow Jones Industrial Average has already dropped over 130 points, while the S&P 500 fell 10 and three quarters already. So starting to see some of those markets be affected. However, U.S. Treasury yields rose on Monday as investors were geared up for this big week of Fed Reserve meeting and those updates. So the yield on the 10-year Treasury went up three basis points to 2.82. The yield on the 30-year was up five basis points to 3.05, which is not too bad because those are still down from the time period when the last Fed meeting was had. And of course, Cassidy, as we have chatted about this, that the Fed is penciling in based upon all their conference meetings so far of a 75 basis point hike that will be announced tomorrow. There are a few people hinting at maybe a 1%. There's very few people hinting at a half percent hike, but I say what looks like in the headlines right now, this is considered a neutral meeting. They are pretty set on that three quarters of a percentage mark. Again, the meeting ends tomorrow, July 27th. But a lot of people are looking forward to September. So after this meeting, we don't have another meeting until September. That means that there will be two more uh, reports coming between now and then that uh, might affect what they have coming up. So if the economy continues to slow, margins continue to tighten, and we see a correction on inflation, the September meeting is definitely going to be a little bit more of a wild card. So there you have some boring but yet important news to share in regards to what results we will see coming out of tomorrow's Fed News Conference. Well, Tanner, to wake our listeners up after that (laughs) lull of news, I will share some exciting news from the Missouri State Fair. Looks like they're coming up on their second annual No Limits PIG show, which stands for Pigs Ignite Greatness. This special segment of the Missouri State Fair pairs students with either cognitive or physical disabilities with ambassadors who have gentle and docile pigs that they're willing to share with these disabled students and lets them get into the show ring and learn how to show pigs and be confident in themselves. This is taking place August 18th at 2 p.m. at the Missouri State Fairgrounds, and I, for one, am very excited about this event and might even make the trip down to go watch. Yeah, that is a little bit more exciting than what I had reported on, and not too far from your backyard. If you do go, you're going to have to report back and let everybody know what you thought. The last piece that I've got for today is just an update on the weekly USDA crop progress report. Uh, as things here, of course, heat and lack of moisture has struck a wide variety or wide span of the country. So corn development was 62% silking as of Sunday, July 24th. That is eight percentage points behind the five-year average. Corn crop condition was 61% good to excellent. That's down three percentages, three percentage points from last week, Cassidy. Soybeans are 64% blooming five percentage points behind the five-year average crop condition. 59% of soybeans were considered rated good to excellent, again down two percentage points from the previous week. Winter wheat harvest progress, 75% of that crop has been harvested. Spring wheat 
86% of that crop is headed out 10 percentage points behind the five-year average. 68% of that crop was rated good to excellent, again, down from the five-year average. So quite interesting. We know we had a lot of planting delays, Cassidy. We've talked about that all spring and summer, and we just can't get this crop to catch up. And now it seems to be deteriorating just a little bit more week by week. Well, Tanner, I know our listeners are concerned and appreciate you reporting on that weekly progress report. But one other piece of news I have here before you jump into markets is that coming from Missouri, once again, the American Food Group announced on Monday that it has secured final backing and will break ground next month on its new state-of-the-art beef harvest plant in Warren County, Missouri. This plant is set to payroll more than 80 million annually, which will generate about 1 billion in economic impact. So it looks like this is going to be a great new investment for the state of Missouri and help a lot with local economy. Yeah, that is. uh, It seems like these beef packing plants or harvesting plants, as that one was described, are starting to pop up across the country to provide a little bit more diversified opportunities for those wanting to market their beef. So It'll be interesting to see how that impacts the markets, but let's hit the grains here first before we jump into our conversation. So again, I hit real high level on the commodity or on the financial markets. Again, Dow Jones was lower. Gold is lower. Crude oil was higher on the on the morning and U.S. dollar did open higher this morning. However, at the morning break, corn, December corn contract was up 16 cents at 5.99 and three quarters. Soybean November contract was up 28 and a quarter cents early on the Tuesday break itself. Kansas City wheat, September Kansas City wheat contract was up 20 and a half cents and September's Minneapolis wheat contract was up 20 and a quarter as we got to the break. And in the meats, we are red across the board, live cattle down. 42 cents on the front month contracts and 12 for December. Feeder cattle uh, trading even more aggressively down with a dollar 15 on front month, both front month contracts in November down 85 cents, while lean hogs just barely in the red at 10 cents down on all contracts from front month through December. So red in the market, in the livestock markets, green, it seems like across the board on the grains but what a great tuesday now it's time to jump into a great interview conversation for the rest of our episode hey listeners we take an exploratory conversation today on the ag news daily podcast we're pleased to have andrew lauber here the director of strategic alliances and programs at leading harvest i'm excited to learn more about andrew and leading harvest so let's jump right into it welcome andrew Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Let's first start off with you. Let's tell a little bit about about your background. What did you do leading up to your current role uh, at Leading Harvest? Yes. uh, Leading up to my current role here at Leading Harvest, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, a diversified grain and livestock farm, and then went to Iowa State University and studied agriculture there. My intent was always to come straight back to the farm from school, but I realized quickly how big uh, uh, the world of agriculture was and how many opportunities there were out there. And so I started out of Iowa State on Capitol Hill. I worked uh, on the Senate side for 
Senator Grassley there and then uh, moved back to Iowa and joined DuPont uh, Pioneer and spent about five years with Pioneer and loved the experiences I had there in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and then uh, while there, studied for a Master of Agribusiness through Kansas State University and um, then decided that after that experience, I wanted to go to law school. So I spent uh, time in law school and out of law school was hired by Syngenta to manage industry relations and worked with commodity organizations and uh, a lot of farmer leaders and, and farm policy leaders. And uh, that's really led me to where I am today here. I just joined Leading Harvest about eight months ago, uh, and I'm focused on our relationships in the supply chain and uh, with farmers, of course, as well. Very cool. It seems like you're a highly educated man. So how is all of that going to work with Leading Harvest and what exactly do y'all do with your company? Well, it's a great question. Uh, In terms of the focus here at Leading Harvest, we're focused on providing assurance and transparency uh, within the the, uh, supply chain and really giving credit where credit is due to farmers for the great things they're doing uh, through the voluntary approach that, that they have uh, on, on their farms. Uh, when it comes to soil health, biodiversity, conservation, uh, we're in, we are a nonprofit. And when someone enrolls acres with leading harvest, they uh, then would bring in a third party auditor in as well. And utilizing the standard that we have, which is really the product here at Leading Harvest, the farmland management standard, uh, would be able to have uh, an assessment of their farm and get a certificate and then leverage that certificate uh, then in the supply chain uh, or to uh, demonstrate their leadership as they may see future opportunities to, uh, to farm additional acres, as an example. So this is kind of a midstream support for our producer listeners, especially those that probably engage in direct-to-consumer marketing. Is that accurate? It's a good question. Yes, we work, for example, with some food companies to harmonize their sustainable sourcing. Through Leading Harvest, we work across 100 different crop types uh, on about a million and a half acres. And we really are that, um, we're really at the nexus of the production and highlighting what's happening at that production level, again, to strengthen communication and really demonstrate that leadership for the producer as they're communicating about uh, what they're producing and aligning themselves with contract opportunities, uh, or uh, it could be a um, you know professional farmland management opportunity or uh, a land land uh, purchase or acquisition where uh, they they may be uh, looking to really share and and. Uh, provide that assurance behind what they're doing. So as a company, who is Leading Harvest looking for as their ideal member joining the company? Yes, we work uh, primarily with professional farmland management companies. Those would be uh, certainly our bread and butter, and they're really seeking validation of their farm management systems. Uh, we also, of course, then work with family farms and many of those professional farmland management companies are, uh, they have the, the clients that are landowners and then they're working with family farms across the country. We're also working in contracted acreage uh, scenarios in the supply chain. So again, with uh, companies who, who would be contracting with producers, maybe providing a premium for 
uh, specific crop and then <clears throat> processing that. Um, and then commodity associations would be another area as well. When we think about commodity associations, they uh, really have have those groups of growers. And whether you look at, you know, Lake Erie uh, in Ohio or the Chesapeake Bay or the Upper River, Mississippi River watershed, there's a lot of opportunities there um, for growers to communicate effectively about what they're doing to attract some of the companies that have made regenerative commitments and uh, have uh, you know goals that they're trying to to achieve by a certain amount of time, and in order to do that, we all know that you have to be at the farm level. There has to be um, um, that buy-in from the farmer, and it has to make sense for the farmer. The farmer still has to make a an economic profit uh, while also prioritizing environment and conservation. I would. Uh, wholeheartedly agree with you and I believe our listeners would say the same thing so it's been fun learning about leading harvest but what's exciting coming up in the future what what's on the horizon that is going to be a lot of fun to participate in oh it's it's such a good question and it's one of the great uh opportunities that that I certainly enjoy daily is communicating externally with uh with a lot of the uh the organizations who are our members and then our prospective members as well and we have had some some grant opportunities that have certainly been uh, just wonderful for us. And one of those was from the Walton Family Foundation, really to drive the cost down of certification and not make that, um, you know, a barrier to entry, again, to get credit where credit's due. So that has been uh, an enjoyable piece is, is really helping to facilitate some of that direct contribution from the Walton Family Foundation. And through that, you'll see upcoming, we'll have some upcoming announcements here at Leading Harvest focused on some of our work in the supply chain with food companies. As I said, our bread and butter is really professional farmland management uh, and, and, and those who are, are on the land managing as, as family farms too. But um, I think you'll really uh, be pleased to see some of this coming together with some of those that are more so uh, in the consumer packaged goods space as well and really connecting that back to the, uh, to the acre. And if any of our listeners, be it on the land management side or the family farm side, want to be a part of these upcoming announcements and become a member of Leading Harvest, how can they go about doing that and getting in contact with y'all? Yeah, absolutely. We have a website. Um, it would be leadingharvest.org. Uh, and there is a portal there where you can enter your information. Uh, and then uh, I would contact you. Uh, through that that inquiry, uh, I certainly am also available. Um, you know, on on some of the social media platforms, Andrew Lover. If you just search my name, and you know, I'd be I'd be happy to have a conversation with you if it's about a near term opportunity or if it's a you know a longer term opportunity where you may be seeking to get to the front of the line. Uh, you know, of some of these uh, these various um, opportunities to uh, to highlight what you're doing and and get credit for that. Uh, from a from a conservation soil health and and biodiversity standpoint, um, we'd love to work with you and and uh, again to help you demonstrate your leadership. Awesome. Well, it's been our pleasure to have you, Andrew, on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and uh, we'll be certainly paying attention to what you guys have going on, and maybe we'll get you back another time in the future. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate this opportunity, and thanks for all you do to bring visibility to what's going on in American agriculture.
Well, Tanner, that certainly was an enlightening conversation with Mr. Andrew Lover, and I'm excited to see what's to come. Yeah, an, another nonprofit, and I don't say that yeah, with the faint of importance for nonprofits, but it is great to see when they have a focus on agriculture so we can continue to bolster our industry and stay ahead of producing food and fuel for the world. Absolutely, Tanner. Well, I think we've gotten a lot done over this Tuesday, and it might be time to let our listeners go. What do you say? Let's let them go.